0: hey good morning church i'm so glad that you are here today today we're beginning a brand new series we're calling the end game and our guest today is tony nolan who is not a stranger to our church he's been here three times at once in the very early days of the church and then recently a couple of times and and tony's a gifted uh, communicator of the gospel with a lot of passion you're going to love him but then uh, it, next week in weeks two three and four in this series we're going to cover the blame game the shame game and what I'm calling the same game or
1: the comparison trap. And so, if you have ever felt like you are blaming yourself or blaming others
0: or or walking in shame or or in a trap of comparing yourself to other people, you don't wanna miss uh, the next three weeks. I believe they're gonna be very uh, spiritual and meaningful to you. But right now, I want you to put your hands together and welcome my friend, Tony Nolan, to the stage. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Alex. Thank you, wonderful, dear people. I, I, in the first service, I, I said, I gotta say it again. Alex is such a trip, amen. I just love him. I've known him for 20 years. He was preaching the announcements, amen, amen. He just ate up with it. I love it, just in his soul. I just love that. And you know what I love, because I've known him for a long time, and when he, he came out here, and, and so I, I love this. I, I'm gonna introduce and say, we're gonna welcome all the other campuses. And this just blows my mind that there's so many of these. This is so beautiful. I like reading from the thing. It just blows my mind. Of course, hello, all you here at Battle Creek. Amen. Shout, shout, shout. And why don't we welcome all of the other folks. Y'all give a big shout out for the chapel man, the chapel folks, Midtown, Downtown, South Tulsa, Owasa, DuPage, and Cairo, Egypt. Amen. Come on. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We, uh, we love you. We're glad you're here. Yeah, a new series. How about that? And it's called In Game. In Game. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this. I, I want to share with you. I, I got finished with the first service, and uh, I was thinking, you know, if I was really to, um, to title this one, every game that's played usually has some sort of villain in it. Everybody say amen. amen. So I want to deal with killing the villain. Can I do that? Look at the person next to you and say, we're going, killing the villain. Tell the person next to you, killing the villain. Tell them on the other campus it's killing the villain. I want to talk about that for some time this morning about this game because what we want to do is we want to talk about winning the game of life. And to do that, we've got to deal with the villain. Uh, so we're going to turn to the infallible, and errant, inspired, authoritative Word of God. It's the Bible, not a man's opinion or any other stuff. It's the Bible that changes our lives. So let's read this, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Listen to this. On all campuses, listen to this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Now, what in the world would some words penned in 65 AD way over in the Middle East have to do with you today and you winning in the game of your life? What do they have to do with you? Uh, Do they have any effect on you? And uh, do do they have any bearing on you and whether you have the opportunity to actually win presently in the game of life? <laughs> do they do and and if they do, if they do, in what way? In what way do these verses affect you? And and if they affect you, especially adversely, what do you what do you do about it? What do you do about it? So so to get us kind of postured there, I I, I want us to move from the verses that we talked about in AD 65. And, and let's think of another little town in the eighteen hundreds and the town is called London, England. Everybody say London, England. London, England. I'm going to share with you some things, and I'm going to give a disclaimer right off the bat. Okay? I, uh, I do not know that the things that I'm about to tell you are absolutely true. I, I'm going to give a disclaimer. Wouldn't it be great if all preachers would give a little disclaimer? Wouldn't that be great? Well, I'm just kind of throwing a disclaimer out there. I've done my research. And my research is very convincing, but it's also limited. So you could do your research too, but don't be doing it while I'm preaching. You'd be listening to the preacher, amen. Y'all lean in, y'all pay attention, but you can do it later. I wanna share with you some things and listen to them carefully, 1800s. Back in the very early 1800s, most people got married in June because they took their yearly bath. That's when they took their yearly bath in May, and they still smelled pretty good by June. Okay, however, um, they were starting to smell, so the brides would carry a bouquet of flowers to hide their body odor. So let's just say you're back in the 1800s, you go to a wedding, right? And the bride's about to throw the bouquet, but everybody moves out of the way so you can catch it. Yeah, they might be trying to say something. They might be trying to say something. Oh, man, there's more, man. This is crazy. I told you i gave a disclaimer, though. But right in line with bath, uh, bathing, they did start bathing a little more frequently with the invention of the bathtub. But they still had a problem. It was kind of a sanitation-type problem. They would fill the water up, and they would reuse it. The guys that get the first very clean water were the men of the house. Don't say amen right there, men. Don't do it your wife would scratch your eyes out in Jesus' name. Don't say amen. They, 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 got, they, got the, they got the water first, and then after the husband, then it were the men of the house, the boys, and, and then it went to the mom, and then it went to the to the daughters, and then the little children, the little tiny children, and then finally the babies. But by then, the water was so dirty, you could actually lose something in it. Hence, we get the saying, don't throw the baby out with the you didn't even know you were getting at a church today, did you? You didn't even know. I mean, you're crazy on all the campuses. That's crazy. Hey, and there's more. There's, there, there's more. In uh, the country hillside, they couldn't afford to build sturdy housing. So the houses had to be built out of dirt and they had thatched roofs. It looked something sort of like this up on the screen. That's what they, they look like. There, that's straw piled high on top of just some sticks. You can take that image down now. And so you got all that pilots there. And then when a storm would roll in, then stray animals would seek shelter up in all of that hay on those roofs. But they would fall through because it didn't have any support system up underneath it. Uh, Hence, we get the saying, it's raining cats and Come on, right here in church. I, mean, I told you, and there's a couple more says, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it really, it really is. Oftentimes, the poor were not paid in money. The very poor were not paid in money. They were paid in pork. That's where we get our saying, bring home the? Well, you guys got this, man. How about that? I mean, it's right here. This is crazy. We're going back in time. This is nuts. Hey, the poor also did not have access to any kind of medical stuff to deal with pain. So, with rotted teeth and kidney stones taking them out, man, they turned to the cheapest remedy, which was ale and whiskey. Ale and whiskey. And the, most of the pubs served the ale and whiskey in lead mugs. People who would drink this toxic combination... For a consistent period of time, it would knock them out for a couple of days. And a lot of them would just fall out into the streets. And when they'd fall out in the street, the city officials would get them, take them to a particular place. Families would come, identify the bodies, take the bodies home, put them in a bed, and wait a little while to see if they were dead or if they would wake up. Hence, we get our custom of holding a wake. Where that comes from. And then the reason they started doing the wakes Well, why not just go ahead and bury them, okay? Here's why they started doing the wakes. You gotta remember, London is very small, incredibly overcrowded, so overcrowded that they didn't have places to bury everybody that were dying back then. So they would dig up graves, take the bones out of the grave, and they would take the bones to a bone house, and then they would reuse the graves. Now, the crazy thing is is that when they would open up these graves inside the coffins, they found scratch marks all inside the coffins. And then they found wood underneath the fingernails of the corpses. People were being buried alive. So to stop this, to avoid this, they invented what is called the safety coffin. The safety coffin. I want you to notice the diagram of it right up there. The safety coffin. Legit deal. This is a legit deal. They, what they would do is they would tie a cord around the wrist of the corpse, and then it would go through the coffin, up through the ground, up alongside the tombstone onto a bell that was attached to the tombstone. And then they hired a servant to stay up all night in the graveyard listening for bells. That's where we get the saying, graveyard shift. And then if they heard a bell ringing, they would go to that grave, dig up that grave, and from there we get our saying, saved by the bell. (laughs) How about that? Well, again, I gave you a disclaimer when I started, didn't I? I? I, you know, I've done my, I've done my research, you know, very very convincing, but it's limited. But I will tell you as it relates to this one, it's absolutely true. You'll find all sorts of data on it. It's incredible. When you start to do your, your research, you'll actually find a man by the name of Dr. Adolf Gutsman, who on several occasions had himself buried to try out the safety coffin. So there's a lot of data, but I got to tell you something. It's proof is not my point. It's proof is not my point. See, I am arrested, I'm alarmed with the similarities of the grave situation in the 1800s, no pun intended. I am arrested with the similarities of the grave situation in the 1800s with where humanity find themselves now in regards to the verses that I read to you earlier in winning in the game of life. You see, when it comes to this, I am surprised at how there's such a correlation between the grave situation in the 1800s and the way in which we interact with those verses that I read to you earlier. Let 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 me read them to you again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, say, Tony, why, why bring up those verses as it relates to this, this game of life? Okay, here's why. People have a hard time winning in the game of life because they are being buried alive by the love of the world. They're having a hard time winning at the game of life because they're being buried alive by the love of this world. And I want to caution you at this moment. Here at Battle Creek, the other campuses, listen carefully. Be careful not to simply treat this love of the world as an act that we do. Oh, make no mistake. It certainly is something that we do. We really get ate up with this stuff stuff of the world. And I don't have to get in on that and get all crazy about dissecting that. You know that. We would be very wise to see the love of this world as a villain, a villain who was bent on your destruction. He is bent on your destruction. It's sort of like in the story of Narnia, you've got the white witch and with Turkish delight she lures Edmund into making some very destructive choices that wasn't helping them win in the game of life. Or it reminds me of the the Pied Piper in the Middle Ages, right? Who with his magic pipe, he lured the children as well as the rats to their death and hand them Germany. I liken this villain of the love of the world to the jealous queen in Snow White who disguises herself as a very fragile and weak elderly lady. And with a red apple and a promise, she offers it to a needy Snow White with a promise. Eat it, and it'll grant you your heart's desire. And she did And she found out that it actually made her life expire. This is a villain. And my question to you is, is that not what Satan did? Isn't that what Satan did to us in the garden with Adam and Eve? Isn't that what he did? Didn't he act and interact in the same manner back in the garden? I want you to see that this villain is real. So let's rewind a little bit in time again, and let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And let's pick up this meta-narrative about what did happen with this villain. And let's see that this villain is actually the one that's behind the whole thing as it relates to the world and the love of this world. And it has everything with, to do with you winning in the game of life. Genesis 3:1 through 7. Listen to this. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord has made. But one day he asked the woman. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from the tree of the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes, your eyes... They will be open as soon as you eat it. And you, you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that very moment felt shame at their nakedness. Did you see it? Do you see it? The three elements of the love of this world, they were actually there in the beginning when everything went awry. Because this villain used it to attack them and to get them to lose in the game of life. Did you see it? The lust, the lust of the eyes. She saw that fruit. Lust of the eyes. Be careful, your eyes are a portal through which Satan will use to try to destroy your soul. The eyes, lust of the eyes, and then the lust of the flesh. Beautiful. She said it's beautiful. Man, she, she had this flesh thing about this, like, well, look at that, just so pleasing to my flesh, and with her eyes, she's so lustful over it. She thinks it's delicious. had not even ate it yet. That's what the flesh does. His enticing words, that actually created some saliva to start flowing up in her mouth. And that's what the devil does to all of us. He's a villain out for your destruction. So the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Did you see it? What it would do for her personally. And does it get any more prideful to go, you know what? I'm going to be like God. That's about the supreme of pride right there. So there they are, all three of those things right there, and they were there in the beginning in the garden. And when they did what God said not to do, the moment they did it, they ate it. They spiritually died in that moment. They went six foot deep into the coffin of regret and immediately started scratching and scraping the woods around them to try to get out of what they got stuck into. Scratching and scraping the woods. And there they were in their shame with the residue of wood from the branches and the leaves underneath their fingernails. Do you see it? Do you get it? Do you understand this? Man, if only they could have seen that the viper was actually a villain. The viper was actually a villain, and he was bent out for their destruction, and he wanted to use the love of this world to end their game. Question for you. Do you realize that this crafty little stinking villain is still alive and active with humanity today? Do you understand? Listen to me. He's after you. Like, see, you might sit out there and just say, he's after you. He's, that, that's the thing that I'm most concerned about in my own life. See, let me just give you a little backstory um, about my life. Um, I was born in a mental institution in McClendon, Florida. I was born in a mental institution. <laughs> oh, Alex knows how to get those good figures, don't he? Well, I tell you what. I born, no, that, that's because my biological mother was a mentally insane homeless prostitute. As a result of her profession, I was conceived, they placed me immediately in a foster care system in Florida that was very corrupt, and the people that had me, they man, they messed me up bad. That's why we do so much in foster care, and we have adopted a little girl ourselves. They beat me. They sexually molested me. They tortured me with burning cigarettes, and then I got adopted when I was one month shy of being four, and I got adopted for $200. I'm like a little Walmart special, Amen. 200 bucks, man, got me. I got in, and our family, it was rough, man. We, we, uh, my, my, my dad was a raging alcoholic, and my, my neighborhood was rough that I grew up in. We were just touring with... um with uh, Sadie Robinson from I uh, mentored her for three months while we were out on tour together, mentored her on her speaking, the little Duck Dynasty daughter, you know, and Corey. And then we come, they've been here before. And so, uh, and, you, know, and, you know, Grandpa, you know, they got that happy, happy, happy redneck thing going on. No, 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 no. My neighborhood was full of rednecks, but it wasn't no happy, happy, happy. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. Amen. You said, what do you mean about crazy? Well, my cousin got his head shut off with a double barrel sawed-off shotgun. My other cousin Jojo was walking up the street with her boyfriend, he got shot through his back, blew out his heart. It's a rough neighborhood and then my home life was tough because my dad was an alcoholic and he used to beat me all the time and tell me that he wished he'd had never bought me. It was rough. And then I wrestled with suicide, didn't care about living tried to take my own life and drugs and alcohol and all that. And then one day somebody shared with me the story of Jesus and that God came to earth and he died on the cross, went to a cross, was buried, he rose again. And if I would repent and simply believe in me, believe in him, he would actually come to me inside of me and exchange lives with me. He would actually give me his life inside of me. I'm like, what in the world? Sign me up, man. And I did. I surrendered to Jesus. He radically changed my life February 24th, 1989. With it came a calling into ministry. Hallelujah. give it up to Jesus. Go God. And then, and then, then God called me in the ministry and I was just living in a van didn't have nothing and God just called me in the ministry and I got a I had to go to school and then you know get that BA degree get that master's degree all that stuff I don't I, I don't know how all that happened but God he uh, he radically changed me but he 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 put me in ministry and I had a ministry mentor that said Tony never ask anybody to preach if God's called you to preach he'll open up all the doors so for all these years we've just we just God says go we go so we go to big giant things like Creation Fest there'll be 100,000 people out there we are we'll come like the little bitty things with uh, you know, like 10 people in a room on the backside of nowhere. I go anywhere God tells me to go. And we just got finished touring all over America. I mean, for over a decade, I've I've, gone, I've preached in just about every major arena in America. It's crazy. It's a nutty thing what God's done. And listen to me as I go. Why do I share all that story? Because on these platforms that I didn't ask to ask for them, God's put me on them. There's a bunch of people that don't want me on them. One of them is an ISIS group. They think that I'm breeding the Zionist. They want to take my head. I've got video cameras around my house. That's why I carry my phone with me all the time wherever I'm at. I want to be able to watch what's going on in my home. When I go to these places and I'm in these arenas and, these, and we have bodyguards that have to watch over me in the Georgia Dome. We were the last concert to preach in the Georgia Dome before they got the other dome that's going up now. I, 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 we had them all around us and the dogs and stuff. It's, it's crazy. And a lot of people come to me and say, Tony, wow, man, what's it like to live underneath that kind of pressure? Time out. Who cares about ISIS? Satan is after me. And he is after you. Do you get it now? If ISIS, if you were on the ISIS list, you'd make some alterations in your life in Jesus' name, you would. But I gotta tell you something the ultimate terrorist is after you. Wake up! He's out to steal, kill, and destroy, is what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. And then Jesus went on to talk more about this villain and his tactics. In Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, he says, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Is that not a picture of the living dead right there? Somebody buried alive. Can you just see the stinking residue underneath their fingernails? And some of you walked in here and you've got all kinds of stuff under your fingernails. Caught up and buried underneath the love of this world, man, walking dead in your sins. Dead in your sins. And guess what? Guess who you're following? Following the course of the world. This, that, that, the other, this, that, that, the other, following it. And then following the prince and the power of the air. There's the villain, Satan. He needs a spirit and he's working right now in the sons of disobedience. You see, this villain is influencing worldviews and world systems, which is to say he drives the minds and the ideas of man and the nations that they set up to advance those ideas against God. That's a fact. Is it just me, or do you guys also see this in the headlines everywhere? I mean, it's interesting. It used to just be stuff that we maybe talked about in church, and everybody said, well, that's a little fairy tale. Look at the headlines around the world. This world's nuts. Amen. We're all just sitting around, like waiting for the last second. I guess North Korea will just blow us up. I don't know. I mean, right? I mean, when it just escalates, and that, is it just me, or does it feel like we're reaching some kind of seething boiling point? This thing is real. There's a villain, and he's after us. Some of y'all looking at me, going, "I'm not so sure." I, I'm happy about coming to church today. Thanks for the encouragement. Devils everywhere! Boo! <laughs> Halloween's a couple of days away, preacher. Wait for the scare. Wait for the scare. I'm not ready. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. But it's real. Jesus Himself said that Satan is the ruler of the world. Well, there you go again, preacher. <laughs> Thank you. Satan's. What'd you learn in church today? Satan's the ruler of the world. <laughs> No, I love the context in which Jesus said it. Listen to this. 1 John 5, 19. Well, I already read that part. Let's let's, let's go. 1 John 5, 19. So the world around us is under control of the evil one. And then John 12, 31. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world. Do you see it? Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Amen. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Hallelujah. Yes, it's true. There's this massive villain. But praise God, there's this glorious victor. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Glorious victor. And his name is Jesus. I mean, we get it right there. It's so glorious. We see right in that verse that Jesus says, hope. God told Satan, Jesus was coming to defeat him. Genesis 3.15, right after the fall, the curse is coming. And God throws that big, theologians call it the Proto-Evangelion. It's the first time that the gospel was ever preached, preached by God to Satan. I'll paraphrase it for you. It went something like this. God looks at Satan. He's like, okay, 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 okay. So you've messed things up. or you jacked it up. Let me tell you something. I'm going to send my son to the world through the seed of a woman. You are going to bruise his heel, but he is going to crush your head. Amen. Man, hallelujah, yeah. And Jesus on the cross, Jesus did some viper head crushing on that cross. Because you know what he did? He died. They buried him, and he rose from the dead. Somebody shout the victory up in this place. I mean, he rose from the dead. You know what that means? When Jesus came up out of that grave, he could look at Satan right in the face, and he could say, hey, end game. (laughs) Game over, bro. Jesus came out of the grave. So listen, listen, listen. What, what are you to do? What are you to do? You 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 came in here dead and dead in your sins. You've sinned against God. You're buried underneath the love of this world. What are you to do? What do you need to do? Wait a minute, preacher. First of all, what does that look like to be buried underneath the love of this word? Okay, let me just make it really practical. First, First of all, are you listening? Okay, she's your girlfriend, but you've already cheated on her. Hey, 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 you married him, but you daydream about what it would be like to be married to another. You used to be able to drink away your problems, Now, drinking away, that is your problem. That is it. Prayer used to be the thing that you would go to and say, hey, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. America used to say, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. Now they go to a pill. The president had to stand up in America and say, we've got a massive humanitarian crisis. People aren't turning to the prayer anymore. They're turning to a pill. We outspend all the whole world on antidepressants. America outspends the whole world on it. I'm not slamming anybody. I'm just saying what happens is is we so want our spot. We so want our comfort. We so are looking for that place of peace, but you're not gonna find it in a coffin. You're not gonna find it in that pill. Money, then I'm gonna work and I'm gonna get money. Time out, time out, time out. See, that's part of the problem, love of the world. Money used to be your servant but now it's your master. What moves do you make in your life that you make outside of the freedom and the enslavement, I mean, of money? It's got us enslaved. Love of the world, love of the world. Okay, preacher, I get it, I get it, but what am I to do? What am I to do? I'm stuck in this sin, I'm stuck in this junk. What am I to do? I'm buried alive, what do I do? Are you listening? Ring the bell, amen. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. (laughs) That is awesome. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Call on Jesus who defeated death and hell. Hey, he can pull you out of that dark pit, lift you up with his love and you'll be let raised from the grave with a story to tell, you'll be screaming to the city, wake up, city, you're headed to hell. But hey, it ain't gotta be that way. Jesus defeated the villain, and he saves the day. Amen, amen, amen. Go, God, (laughs) ring the bell. Ring the bell. And by the way, by the way, okay, wait, 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 wait. Let's rewind in time real quick. We just rewinded. We just went back. We're in the 1800s now. Do you see a little creepy, creepy cemetery? You're in there. You're one of those people buried alive. Do you know the buried alive people didn't ask for that? Only that goofy Adolf guy asked for that. They were just minding their own business. And then all of a sudden, could you imagine, could you imagine waking up in a grave buried alive? I mean, who wouldn't ring the bell if you're buried alive? Could you imagine somebody? Somebody's in there. They, they, they you know, they had the little ale and whiskey, little toothache. They out all of a sudden. They wake up. I don't quite remember my room being this dark. <laughs> Start to yawn. Arr! <laughs> Arr! No, no. I heard about this happening with other people. No, they're feeling the side of a coffin. They're hitting their head on the coffin. They're tapping the bottom. No, it's about six feet. 50. No, this can't be happening. They're shaking a little bit. All of a sudden, they're shaking, when they move that wrist, they hear ding, 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 ding. They're like, did I just hear what I thought I heard? Feel on the wrist, got a little rope on there. They're like, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, it's on now. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. I'd be digging that thing. Ding, ding, ding. When that thing got all jacked up, I'd be like, grab it with that one. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. When that one got a cramp, I'd put it in my teeth. Ding, 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 ding. Man, who would, if you're buried alive, who wouldn't ring the bell? It's a no-brainer. You're going to use the only hope you got. Ring the bell. But listen to me. A lot of you, you haven't rung the bell with Jesus yet. You had not done it. And you know, listen, week by week, you feel more suffocated under the weight of this world. And you've been hearing about the story of Jesus and come to Jesus and repent, believe, surrender to him as Lord of your life. But you haven't done that yet. You know what most people do with religion they just make themselves a little bit more comfortable in their coffin. Mm. Never said that before. That's what religion does, makes you a little more comfortable in your coffin. No, 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 no. no. Ring the bell. But you haven't done it. The marriage messed up, finances messed up, your mind's messed up, your heart's messed up. But you haven't done it, but yet you come in here, sit, and leave, and it's come in, sit, sing, leave. Come in, sit, sing, leave. Blah, blah, blah. You do the thing, but you're, but you're dead, man. Weighed down in the coffin. But you haven't rang the bell yet, haven't surrendered to Jesus as Lord of your life. Why? When it's such a no brainer. Why haven't you done it? All right, I'm going to tell you why. It's the work of a villain the villain is still at work in your life. And he is using his most stealth weapon. And I'm gonna explain it to you. I'm gonna explain it to you what it is, all right? I'm gonna show you how the villain works. In a moment, I'm gonna show you an image up on the screen. I'm gonna show it to you on the count of three. When I say three, they're gonna show the image up on the screen. And those of you at the other campuses, you're gonna see this too. On the count of three, they're gonna show you an image up on the screen. When you see this image on the screen, I want you to tell me immediately what you see, all right? On the count of three, you're gonna tell me immediately what you see. Here it is, one, two, three. What do you see? All right, stop right there. Everybody on the other campuses, everybody in here said dot. Listen to me carefully. Why are we so prone to only see the darkness, almost blind to the wide open spaces on the page where the story of the love of God can be written out and played out in our lives? Because, listen to me, Second, Corinthians, you can take the, the image down now, 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse four, gives us some keen insight about this villain. It says, the God of this age, little G, the God of this age, Satan, He blinds minds so they don't believe the gospel. Your mind's been blinded. But today your eyes are open. Why? Because God, through the work of all the people volunteering, through the worship team, everybody, through the message, the Spirit of God has opened up and loosened knots in that blindfold. He's dropped that blindfold. And right now, your eyes are open to the reality. You need to ring the bell. You're Dying to be raised to new life in Christ. And you just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. Hey, stop trying. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. You're a living dead man. Ring the bell. And let God bring you alive. We were dead in our sins. Walking like zombies. According to this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. But God... You know what he did? When Jesus came on that cross, he did some killing to that villain, amen. The only chance you have to deal with the devil is to deal with the one who dealt with the devil and beat him and whooped him, and that's Jesus. Come to Jesus. I wanna ask every one of you here and on the other campuses, I wanna ask you right now, would you just very reverently, reverently, we're about to have a holy moment here. Nobody leaving, I just want all of you to very sacredly, sacredly and reverently, would you just slowly stand to your feet in this room, put your stuff maybe in your seat? And as you do, I want you to look up here at me and on the other campuses too. Say, Tony, why are you so passionate about this? Well, number one, It's real to me. God raised me up out of my grave. Man, I was walking around the spirit of disobedience and he saved me. But let me tell you why. We're about to have this moment right here and why I'm so passionate. It's been crazy as I've been crisscrossing this country, everywhere I go, last couple of years it's been intense. Within like a two-week window, people just like you that are looking at me, listening, people at other locations on video, just like you guys are over there, they hear me preach, and then within two weeks, because Instagram or Facebook or just people email me, my email's out there, I answer every one of my emails. Hey, Tony, you remember at the end of your message, you gave people an opportunity to ring the bell? I had my friend with me had my spouse with me. I had my coworker with me. I had one of my, my teammates with me. Everybody's got a plethora of people that they're around, that they love, they care for, their friends with. Had them with me. And I've been praying. I've been praying. And when you gave them that opportunity to do it, they, they didn't do it. And I'm like, man, give me their numbers, man. I'll, <laughs> give me their names. We'll pray them in. I got some war room people on my, on my board of directors. We'll pray them in. Amen. amen. And then when I read the rest of the emails, they're tragic. Tony, she got hit by a drunk driver, man, she's gone. She's gone, in game. Hey Tony, he was at the mall and a crazy man came through the mall, started shooting people. And he was at the food court, minding his own business, bullet hit him, he's gone. We were out at the lake, just having fun. And a guy in a pontoon boat turns, comes right at my daughter. The propeller goes up her spine and into her skull. She's gone. That's why I'm so passionate. Because you listen to me, nobody knows. Very few people, very few people ever even get the news of when they think their game's going to be over. We can usually play a video game and there's a life bar up there. We're like, okay, got more life, but that life bar gets going, maybe. We start trying to find things to boost the life bar. We got a timer and we're like, hey, gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. We know the timer. Do you understand that only 5% of the people in the world get news from a doctor that they have so long to live? Only 5% out of all of the people in the world are told, hey, you got three months or six months. That means 95% of the people in the world never see it coming. So listen, that's why I'm passionate about it. Why? I don't know when your last day on earth is. I don't know when your game will be over. Neither do you. Those people in Vegas didn't know. They didn't know. I don't know when you're gonna take your last breath. But here's what I do know. Right now, sir, ma'am, young person, you do have a breath. You have a breath. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you? Defeat that villain. How? Use your breath, use the breath that you have now to prepare for the last breath that you'll ever take. Ring the bell. Call on the name of the Lord. What does that look like, preacher? I wanna be raised to new life. What does that look like? The Bible says, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. I can lead you in a moment of doing that. We did it in the first service at all the other campuses. I can lead you in it. I can lead you in a prayer. You can repeat this after me. You can say it out loud in a whisper of the silence of your mind. God, to hear you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me in this moment? I don't know when you're going to take your last breath. You've got a breath now. Use it. To prepare for the last breath you'll ever take, man, and call on the name of the Lord. Ring the bell. Man, let him raise you to new life in Jesus. Here's the prayer. Just repeat it after me. Here's the prayer. Dear God, I know I sinned. And I'm so sorry. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. You were buried. You rose again. I'm ringing the bell. Raise me to new life in Christ. And because of what you did for me, may my life be a living thank you. A living thank you. For your glory and your kingdom come. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. You guys are so wonderful, just keeping it in the sacred, reverent, holy moment. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to listen to me carefully. That villain is going to work overtime in your life. I'm about to give you some instruction if you prayed that prayer. And the villain is going to work overtime in this moment. He's going to give you every reason why you shouldn't do what I'm about to tell you to do. Don't listen to him. He's a liar. You just said Jesus is your Lord. That means you're going to obey the Lord. You know what the Lord said? If you just prayed that prayer, Jesus has something he wants you to do in this moment. In this moment, if you prayed that prayer, he wants me to do something. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Jesus said with no mitigated speech confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Deny me before men, I will deny you. Wow, preacher, what does that mean? It sounds so serious. It is. And what does it mean? It's real simple, sir. Did you pray? Okay. Did you mean it? Ma'am, did you mean it? Sir, did you mean it? Young person, did you mean it when you prayed? Okay. Did you know what Jesus is saying? If you meant it, you mention it. Confess me, I'll confess you. What if I don't mention it? Jesus said, deny me, I'll deny you. It's serious. In one sense, this ain't no game. This ain't no game. This is about his kingdom, and it's about him being Lord. So listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to listen to me. The devil's going to do everything he possibly can to get you not to do what I'm about to invite you to do. Don't you listen to him? This is your day where you come up out of that tomb. This is your day where you come up out of that graveyard. This is your day where you're going to get raised to new life in Christ Jesus. And he's going to give you the power to win at the game of life. He said the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Praise God. He wants you to win at this thing of life. So if you prayed that prayer, Jesus wants you to mention it. If you meant it, you mentioned it. If you meant it, you mentioned it. This is not something you conceal. This is something you reveal. Jesus was so serious about it. He said, hey, now you're a part of a city. Let me tell you where I put that city. I put it on a hill. And listen to these words. Jesus said, it cannot be hidden. can't be hidden. So if you did that in your heart, man, you know you want to tell the world. Because he's in you and he wants you to tell the world. He's raised you in a new life. He wants you to tell the world. The devil doesn't want you to do it. Don't you listen to the devil? You listen to Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, here's your opportunity to mention it. On the count of three, if you prayed that prayer on the count of three, don't you flinch, don't you hesitate. If you prayed that prayer, the devil's going to tell you not to do it. Don't listen to him. On the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and be obedient to Jesus. He said to confess him. He said to mention it. On the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to boldly raise your hand straight up in the air on this campus and on the other campuses. You ready for it? Did you pray? You need to raise your hand on the count of three. Mention it. Here it is. One, two, three. Raise your hands all over the room. Keep them up. Whatever you do, do not put them down. Let's stay in a sacred moment. Let's stay in a sacred moment. Hold on. This is a reverent moment on the other campuses. Keep your hand up. Stay right there with your arm. Every one of you with your hands up, please keep it up. It'll only be another brief moment, please. Because I want to ask you to do something on all the campuses. Gently lift your chin and look up here at me. Keep it up and look up here at me. There are people in every section. Now listen to me. Do not let the devil win in this moment. Man, we had warfare in that first service, I'm telling you. But God got the victory and people moved. And I want to encourage you to move too. Listen to me. Don't stay in the graveyard. <clears throat> Don't stay in the graveyard. Why? You're alive. You're alive. Don't stay in the graveyard. And you know what? Jesus put it this way: confess me before men. Confess me before men. Two words before men. What does that mean? Watch this. Keep it up. I'll only be another second. He wants you to publicly declare what you said in private prayer. Publicly declare what you said in private prayer. Did you really mean it? Yes, Tony, I did. On the count of three. Don't flinch. Don't hesitate. Whatever you do, that crafty villain's going to tell you to stay in your seat. Don't you listen to him people move. Over on the other campuses, you need to move. On the count of three in your other campuses, you're going to have a campus pastor down at the front. Those of you that have your hands up right now, keep them up. And on the count of three, I want you to leave where you're at. I want you to walk down this aisle. I want you to stand right here in the very front and shaking off that stinking villain, the devil, telling them you're coming up out of that tomb and you're coming to new life in Jesus Christ. You ready? One, two, three. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Step out and come. Come on, step out and come. Come on, come on, God bless you. Come on, come on. Come on, hallelujah, come on. Yes, glory, thank you, Jesus. Come on, yeah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, we give you glory and we bless you, Lord. And we come against the enemy in the name of Jesus through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We ask you to do it like Michael said, may the Lord rebuke the devil. May the Lord rebuke the devil. Yeah, Lord. Come on. Squeeze in glory. Come on. Come on. We'll make some room right here. Let's spread out just a little bit right here. I love the hug. Y'all stay right where you at. Y'all come on through here. This way. Come on. Come on. Lean in more a little bit. Squeeze in. We got folks coming. Hallelujah. Come on. That's right. Squeeze in here. All right. Listen. 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 Come on. Did you mean it? Come on. Yeah, brother. Glory to God, brother. Proud of you, man. That's big. That's big. And let me tell you something, sir. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Today you receive your exaltation in the power of Jesus. Amen. Amen. That humble step, brother. Amen. He came, man. I saw him. And he, did. He, he raised that hand. He didn't move, but he came. He came. Devil didn't win. Devil didn't win. Listen, all of you that have come, listen to me. Would you give us amazing, just an amazing honor and privilege? Listen, we would love to help you maximize and leverage this moment. How many of y'all agree this is a big moment? This is a big moment. So listen, listen. Would you let us help you maximize and leverage this moment for everything that God has for you? Here's how we do this. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to leave this room, and you're going to go to a room adjacent to this room. Now, don't let that get you weird. You might be thinking, well, but what about my stuff in my seat? Hey, hey, listen, we, we don't like the devil, and we hurt him, and we'll hurt anybody that touches your stuff in Jesus' name. Amen. We ain't going to let them. We got security, man. They bad around here. Amen. They get them. So listen, don't worry about yourself. stuff. You say, well, I got people out there, they, they're, they're, they're gonna be waiting on me. They, they would, they'd wait an hour if they had to, but it ain't gonna take nothing like that. Just a brief moment of your time. I, why are you telling me this? Because nobody told me when I came to Jesus and it was weird. So I, don't, I, don't, I like to let everybody know what's going down. So let me tell you what's gonna happen. This is a crucial moment. Whatever you do, don't go back to your seat in this moment. You'll have the chance to go back there a little bit later, but here's what we want you to do. In a moment, I'm gonna invite all of you. You're gonna go this way to your left, And we've got some brothers in Christ and some sisters in Christ that are on that side of the room, right underneath that exit sign. And in a moment, you're gonna go. Don't go back to your seat. You're gonna go back out this way, and you're gonna go to them in a moment. Now, let me tell you why. I mentioned it to a brother in the back. By the way, before I say that, the Spirit of God just laid this on my heart. There's a guy here by the name of Mike, I believe. I don't know where Mike's at right now. Where's he at? Wave at me, Mike. There you are, bro. That's there he is right there. I remembered, didn't I, Mike? He came to me in the back. He said, Hey Tony, I just want to tell you about a moment that you came to a camp and you invited me to come to Jesus. And I did it. He's saying God radically changed my life. And it was way over at another place and state. And he said, "Uh, Tony, I'm back here now. And I'm serving Jesus in this church. He's in the back and he's serving in the sound right back there. We got Mike right back there. (laughs) You know what I know what he did? You know what I know he did? He did what I'm about to invite you to do. He avails himself of this moment because it's huge. And it'll only take a brief time. It stuck with him. This is big. Jesus told a story of a farmer reaching into a sack of seed and he takes some seed and he throws it into a field of soil. The seed hits the ground and the moment it hits the ground, he said, the birds of the air, the fowl of the air, they converged onto that field, took every seed and flew away. I imagine that when Jesus told that story, he just dropped the mic and walked off because the Bible says that the disciples chased after him and said, what was that all about? Like they didn't get it. And then Jesus broke it down. I'm so glad Jesus breaks it down. I need him to break it down. He broke it down. He said, okay, okay, okay. Let me tell you. He said, the seed in the story is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The soil in the story is the human heart. So you see today, the seed of God's word has gone into the soil of your human heart, your human heart. He said, the birds of the air represent, listen, Satan and all the hosts of hell. The villain, he's got one goal he wants to snatch that seed out of that soil. Why? If there's no seed, there's no harvest. If there's no seed, there's no growth. If there's no seed, there's nothing. And you know what? The devil's not gonna win up in this place because listen to me, why are we inviting you to go over here? Because this is what's going to happen. Some people are going to pray God's anointing over you. They're going to take that seed of God's word that's gone into your human heart. You know what they're going to do? They're going to they're they're fertilize that thing with some prayer. Amen. They're going to water it with some grace and some mercy and community and love. And you're going to leave out of this place and today's going to be different than any other day you've ever had in your life for the glory of God. Don't you want that? Amen. Hallelujah. So listen to me, all of you right now, all of you, would you right now? Just sing a song? Let's go this way right now. And as they go, let them know how proud of them you are in this moment. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come this way. Come on this way, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. They're going to talk to you about baptism. We're going to have baptism services. Man, follow all the way through with God. Line up in that moment. Get in on that thing for the glory of God. And if there's anybody else If anybody else, man, you're wrestling with this thing, they're going to sing over us. And as they sing over us, if you need to go, all you got to do is slip out of your chair and just go through those doors. Somebody will be there and they will help you, man. This is your day to be set free. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.
1: What a powerful name it is, and nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing it again. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name. again yeah.